Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Certified Life and Weight Coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and a warm welcome to the Lose Weight Live Life podcast episode number 67. I hope that you're staying well and staying intentional about how you're eating. Creating a relationship with food that you love is about finding the right balance between eating for fuel and nourishment and eating for pleasure and comfort that works for you. And what works for you will be different at different times of your life or even your year. The key thing is that you pay attention and don't go unconscious with your eating. When you figure out how to easily do that, this whole process becomes so much more enjoyable. When you figure out how to love the weight loss process, then everything slots into place. And that's one of the key aspects of the new weight loss training and coaching program that's taking place inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy during the early part of next year. This program will take you step by step through the process of creating a relationship with food that you love so that you can lose weight for the last time through weekly live sessions. This will be great work for everyone already in the academy, for those of you who've maybe been in the academy and then left because the time wasn't right, but who are now ready to do the work, and for those of you who really want to set yourself up for weight loss success in 2022. Now, I know that many of you are not always wanting to invest in yourselves, and so what I've done is created a Christmas gift option because, well, often it's easier to treat ourselves or to ask others to treat us at this time of year. So I have created a three-month Academy membership Christmas gift that you can purchase now or forward to someone and ask them to purchase it for you. And that will give you access from the 1st of January to the 31st of March. And this will include the new live training program in addition to everything that you usually get with the membership. So if you're interested, go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash podcast offer. Okay, so let's get on with today's episode. So today I'm talking to you about about a concept that I think is maybe new to this podcast. Those of you who have been in the Mastermind program or the Academy for some time will be familiar with it, and it follows on very well from episode number 55 on emotional responsibility. So do check out that episode if you haven't already. I will put a link to it in the show notes that will appear on the bestyou.coach website. And that concept is the manual. Now, the manual is a life coach school concept, and it's based on the idea that we all have internal instruction guides for other people in our life and for ourselves. So we measure others and ourselves against this guide, this set of unwritten criteria. And when those criteria are met, we feel good. It could be that we feel worthy if it's criteria for ourselves, loved if it's the criteria for our partner, or proud if it's criteria that we have for our children. But when those rules criteria, basically our expectations are not met, then we may feel unworthy or frustrated if it's about our own rules for ourselves or unloved if it's something to do with our partner or significant other or even our parents and maybe even shame if it's our kids that are not complying with our instruction manual. 
And what makes this challenging is that we have very little awareness of our expectations and criteria, let alone are we communicating our expectations that we have of others to them. And the problem with this manual, this book of great expectations, is that it causes us emotional pain and suffering, whether it's frustration or disappointment or feelings of being unloved. Now, you may well be thinking, isn't it normal to have expectations of others, to have standards to which we want to hold others and ourselves accountable to? And yes, of course it is. This is something we all do. But the reason why it's worth digging deeper is because when you understand your expectations better, you can see what they are creating in your life and explore alternatives for shifting your perspective. And always, this is to help us to feel better. If you believe you would be happier, if only your mother didn't make snide comments when she visits, if only your partner would help more around the house, or if only your grown kids would call you once a week, then you're destined to suffer. Because guess what? You can't control these other people. Other people are human and imperfect, just like you. When others show up in a certain way, when they do or say a certain thing, they don't cause you to feel a certain way emotionally until you have a thought about it, until you interpret it a certain way, or choose to make it mean something that leaves you feeling negatively. You get to decide how much power you want to give others ability to determine how you feel. So at this time of year, our manuals are very prevalent in our lives. We all have expectations born out of our own upbringings and family traditions and ways of being. So I invite you to dust off your family manual and peruse the pages to see if it's time for a new edition. I'm going to talk you through some common manual chapters and explore how they are maybe causing you to suffer and look at what you can do about it. Okay, so let's start with chapter one. The title for this chapter is They Should Help Out or They Should Help Out More. Now, I've kept the title of this chapter vague on purpose so that you can consider how it shows up in your life. The unwritten rule of they should help out may apply to your grown children if you think that they should help out with Christmas preparations or meal preparations or maybe tidying up after you've eaten. It may apply to your partner if you find yourself running around like crazy whilst your partner seems to only ever be on Zoom calls for work or chilling out. It may be applying to your parents or your in-laws if you've got younger children and are struggling to do everything and you're thinking that they could help out. It may apply to your siblings if you feel it's only you taking care of your elderly parents and they're not doing their share. The thing is, we usually only think the thought they should help out when they, whoever they is, are not helping. And the thing is, it seems so reasonable, doesn't it? Here we are doing a ton of stuff and it seems very reasonable to think that others should be doing something to contribute. The problem is, if we're having this internal dialogue about this in our heads, they're not contributing and we're feeling annoyed, angry, frustrated, unappreciated, however it is you feel, you may be suffering. Now, not only are we running around doing all the things, but we're holding on to all of this negative emotion too. So what are your options? Option number one is to ask for what you want. And that may or may not get you it. Just a quick aside note, as I said, grown-up children here. The relationships we have with younger children and work colleagues don't really think it fit in with this way of thinking. So the trick here is always to ask for what you want and to not make it mean anything if you don't get it. Because the thing is, we can't control other people. We can't make our partners do the things we want them to do because they, just like us, are grown human adults who get to do, say and be exactly who they want to be. So yes, we can and always should ask for what we want and we should allow it to be okay if we don't get what we want because it's not letting them off the hook. 
They're already not complying, not conforming. It's just that we're not suffering because of it. And I appreciate this takes practice. Now, one of the pages that I have in my manual is that if I'm going somewhere with my husband and if we're running late, we should both rush. Okay, so I used to feel incredibly irritated and sometimes I confess I still do feel a little bit irritated, but nowhere near as much. When we would be running late to go somewhere, usually to meet people or for an appointment, and my husband wouldn't rush. He would appear to not notice that we were late. And if I pointed it out to him, he would ignore me or say something that I would then have a thought about and think that he's then irritated with me. So my manual, my unwritten rule book, had the paragraph that said, if you're running late, you must do everything possible to reduce the amount of lateness, even if that means putting yourself under pressure or not taking due care to minimize your lateness because it's disrespectful of others to be late. Not rushing when I am late feels very uncomfortable for me because I want to feel as though I tried my best because then I can not feel so bad. So if I'm going somewhere with my husband and he's not rushing, the discomfort I feel is very intense. I think that he doesn't care about me or the appointment or the people we're meeting. And I think they'll think that we don't care about them or the appointment or whatever it is. And I feel very stuck and very trapped. And in the almost 25 years that we've been married, and I have not been successful in getting my husband to rush when we're running late, okay? Now, I could choose to let that be, to be in that situation where I constantly feel conflicted, I constantly feel not understood, like my husband doesn't sort of care about how I'm thinking or feeling about it, or the appointment or the people we're meeting. But what I can also do is choose to look at it from a different perspective. So this is what I now choose to notice and to think about. The reason he doesn't rush is because it's important for him to not forget anything. Because he's type 1 diabetic, he needs to make sure he has insulin, some form of sugar, potentially supplies for his insulin pump, his tester, adequate food if we're going on a long journey, all sorts of things. All of this is important to his health. When I remember to think about it logically, it makes sense that he doesn't rush leaving the house and takes the extra two or three minutes to check that he has everything he needs. So here we have the circumstance of my husband taking two, three, or maybe even five minutes longer than me to get ready to leave the house. When I think he doesn't care about me or the appointment or the people we're meeting, I feel mad, frustrated, and powerless. When I choose to think it's more important for him to take care of his health than it is for us to be a few minutes earlier, I feel acceptance, calm, and appreciation of him for taking care of his health, and I appreciate me for accepting him and the situation as it is. How I choose to think about this situation is in my gift. I can continue being frustrated and driving myself crazy or choose to accept things as they are with reasons to support that. And I just want to say that this isn't easy and there is no one way of thinking about it is no more right or wrong than any other way. It's just that he's going to be exactly as he is. The evidence has shown that, that he's not changed in the last, as I said, almost 25 years. And so it makes sense for me to accept things as they are and to find ways to think about that to make it easier. It gives me, as I said, peace. It avoids all that unnecessary negative emotion. Okay, so let's look at another chapter that many of us may have in our manuals. This one is called It's Not Fair. So what things in your family are not fair? It could be that it's your brother's turn to host your parents for Christmas and they're not going to. 
and you think it's not fair. Or it could be that it's your turn to host your parents and they're going to your sisters. It can work either way. It could be that everyone always comes to you or that no one ever comes to you. It could be that your grown children always go to your in-laws and never to yours. It could be that you always buy thoughtful presents and your family gets your kids vouchers or money. Guess what? Life isn't fair. And when you think that it should be, it will make you miserable. If you notice it's not fair, thinking or some form of they should do this because I did that thinking, you're giving all your capability to feel better away. Take the time to notice to figure out what you think isn't fair about in your life and in particular the relationships in your life. Notice how you feel when you think about things in that way and know it's a choice. Instead of thinking that it's not fair that you do the lion's share of work at Christmas time, acknowledge that it's your choice and appreciate yourself for doing it with love for you and for those of you who you're doing it for. And this one often comes up too. Do you have a chapter in your manual that is some variant of, they shouldn't comment on my weight or what I eat? Now, many of you will agree um, and many people will agree with you that if you think it's rude or disrespectful to comment on what others look like or choose to eat. It's a bit like thinking it's impolite to comment on someone's earnings or wealth. Many of us were brought up to believe it's wrong. And of course, there is no right or wrong and you get to choose what you believe, but others may not have the same beliefs. And for some reason, often it is our families who feel they do have the right. And guess what? They do. They are grown human adults who get to say and do whatever they choose. And thinking that shouldn't be the case will cause you to suffer. So the key thing here is to figure out what you can control. You can control your thoughts that leave you feeling maybe shame when someone comments on your weight. You can think thoughts that leave you feeling love for you and the person offering you dessert that you graciously decline. If your mum constantly suggests you eat something or have seconds or have dessert when you have repeatedly said no thank you, you might start to feel frustrated or that she doesn't understand you or even start to think that it's no wonder you're overweight and start to blame her for your relationship with food. If your manual says mum shouldn't offer me food 20 times a day, mum shouldn't say but I made it because it's your favourite when you say no thank you to the chocolate log or whatever it is or if your manual says mum shouldn't make so much unhealthy food or if she cared about my health she wouldn't expect me to eat like this when you think thoughts like these you feel frustrated unloved and misunderstood and that's not how you want to feel when you spend time with your family because guess what it's going to be so much more difficult to eat what you've planned to not emotionally eat not overeat all of those things but expecting your mum to change if she's always been that way is setting yourself up for more misery. And also be honest with yourself. If you've spent the last 20 or 30 years enjoying all those sweet treats, using her inviting you to eat every hour over Christmas as an opportunity to indulge and enjoy it, if that's what you've done previously, then you're also partially responsible for her being the way that she is. Previously, when she's offered these foods to you, she's seen the joy and pleasure that you've got from eating them. No wonder she wants to continue offering them to you. So what's the alternative? Accepting her as she is, loving her and you, maybe choosing to think that she expresses love through food just like you used to, maybe choosing to see that I can show her that my choosing not to eat her food is not a reflection of how I feel about her. Maybe thinking these few days may be difficult for me to not eat because there's so much food on offer and that's okay. Or thinking this is a great opportunity to practice not being influenced by others and appreciating my food choices. And I also just want to say a word as well that you 
get to decide what you do want when you want to change your thinking. You don't always have to change how you're thinking about something in order to feel better. That is within your power. That is your choice. This isn't me suggesting that you need to brainwash yourself if you have got a family member who is abusive towards you. This is just you helping yourself to think about what you want your relationship to look like and knowing that you have more power than you ever thought you did to think about that relationship in a certain way. Okay, and so the last chapter I'm going to touch on in our manual is the one where we lay out our own expectations of ourselves. So this might look like you thinking, I should have everything wrapped up by a certain date. I should cook everything from scratch. I should have every room downstairs decorated. I should remember to send presents abroad before the last postal date, something I never remember to do. I should make an effort to dress up. I should, I must, I've got to. The problem with all of these shoulds is that when we don't do them, when we don't meet our own expectations, we make it mean something negative about us. And that feels awful. I think that the manual we have for ourselves is often the one that causes us most suffering. And often it is sort of on such a low level and it feels so normal. We don't really notice it. We don't notice how much we're sort of constantly either berating ourselves or judging ourselves. And the trick here is not to think that we shouldn't be doing that because it's human nature to judge and to have these judgmental thoughts about ourselves and to constantly find ways, think that we're not good enough. But what we want to do is to become more aware of them so that we can start to change our language just a little bit. And I think that rewriting this chapter in the manual can be a lifelong dedication. As I said, it's human to judge and that includes judging ourselves. When we constantly have high expectations of ourselves, often far higher than we would of others, when we constantly have perfectionist fantasies about everything that we need to do to feel good or to feel accomplished or appreciative of ourselves, we are constantly beating ourselves with the should stick. We must work at letting go of that should stick because it causes us to feel overwhelmed, shame, frustration and much other negative and much more negative emotion. So what would you feel if you had everything perfectly wrapped under the Christmas tree in plenty of time? If you cook an amazing Christmas lunch from scratch? If your house is worthy of being in Beautiful Homes magazine? Is it because of the food, the presents, the decorations? It's not because of that that you would feel maybe proud or worthy or capable. It's because of what you are thinking about it, what you're making it mean. And you might be thinking something like, it tastes good. It looks beautiful. I did that. I created that. And what I want you to know is that you can think these thoughts regardless as to what you do or don't do. You don't have to have this sort of picture perfect view of Christmas or whatever, you know, whatever else is going on in your life in order for you to think thoughts that enable you to feel good. You can decide how you want to feel and then find the thoughts. I'm not saying you just pluck them out of the air and make them up. You want them to feel like the truth, but you can find thoughts that feel true to you in order to feel that way no matter what. Okay, often it's about remembering what truly matters. So it's time to get curious about what the manual that you have for you and your family at Christmas time. What parts of your manual are setting you up to feel frustrated, disappointed, angry, triggered this Christmas? What circumstances are in your power to change and what aren't? And when you can't change the circumstances, and by the way, that does include other people and how they show up because you're not in control of them. How do you want to think about things or them? Okay. Remember thoughts that leave you feeling bad are within your power to change if you want to change them. Okay. If you don't like someone because they are particularly mean and nasty towards you, you might not want to feel positive emotion about them. You might not want to find love for them. And that's okay too. Sometimes you won't want to and that's okay. But when you wish things were different, then it's worth the work to figure out what's going on and take your power back. 
Okay, that is what I have for you today. And if you want to set yourself up for creating the relationship with food that you want in 2022, whilst losing your weight for the last time, do join us inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy. And if you would like to, do take advantage of the special Christmas gift offer of three months membership by going to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash podcast offer or by sharing that link with someone who is looking to get you a Christmas gift. All right, take care everyone and have a great week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning supported by twice weekly live calls and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six month lose weight, live life, group coaching, mastermind intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.